we give some of our finishing thoughts on the win last night against the New York Knicks, and then we dabble into a little NBA draft talk. That's all today on Locked On Hornets. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. We It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your pods. That includes YouTube. We went live last night, first Hive Live in a long time. So big shout out to everybody that joined us live, writing in the comments section, asking us some questions, or just giving us compliments. We love those. Feel free to do that on Twitter or anywhere that you want to write to us. I'm on Twitter at Walker Mail. Doug on Twitter at Doug Branson, L-O-H, and his uh, Substack is Every Hornets Box Score at everyhornetsboxscore.com. I guess it's time, Doug, especially right now, especially this season, to dabble in a little NBA draft talk because the Hornets are going to be at least with the top six pick in this first round. And you're all hoping for the number one overall selection, just like we are. Number two, uh, we'll be okay with it. And then further down, look, you're still going to get a good player. Um, but Wimby, man, we all want Wimby. At the same time, we need to be prepared for anybody who is not named Victor Wembenyama. If we just start to dip our toe in the water just a little bit before we jump all the way into draft talk, what are some of the needs? What are some of the qualities you're looking into to try to see, okay, this guy would be a good fit for the Charlotte Hornets? Before I get to that, I just have mm-hmm. to say, look, if you want to dabble, if you want to dip your toe into the water, go go right ahead if that's how you want to approach this. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you how I'm approaching this. I am full steam ahead I'm not dipping my toe in the water. I'm I'm skinny dipping in draft coverage right now. I am now diving. I'm not dipping my toe in the water or anything at all. No, I'm not getting. In <laughs> I'm that. dipping something else in the water, baby. I'm going all the way in because mm-hmm. this Dave. is an absolutely loaded, stacked draft. I could not be more excited. I don't know if I have enough roses. I had to go visit the local flower shop and say, hey, stock up, baby, because I'm going to be giving these roses out left and right. There are so many juicy players that we can talk about in the weeks and, I guess, months to come. we got a long time (laughs) to really dissect this, and I can't wait. Oh, the the thing is, though, Doug, you always find enough roses. You will find the wild one growing through the crack of the cement and handed out. You will find all of those. And then a year from now, in the middle of the season, you will say, see, I told you that was the guy that I thought was going to be awesome all along. What are some of those qualities that you think might be awesome for the Charlotte Hornets? I think physicality, absolutely. I think it's the number one need for the Hornets in general. Um, And I think it starts in the draft. They're not going, I don't know that they're going to find a player that will immediately, you know, raise the entire level of the physicality of this team in, in this draft or any draft, because players take time to really adjust from college to, to the NBA level and, and to build their body. So I don't think they're going to find that, but they've got to start with, with getting players who, uh, you know, are, are attuned to that and then keep doing that over and over year after year to eventually build a team like that. So they've got to probably explore some ways in free agency or inspiring some of the players that they've got now to be more physical. But I think that's a number one need. Uh, I'll give you one more, and, and then I'd like, to, I'd like to pick your brain about what you think. 
I'm going to go playmaking depth. If I had to go 1-1-A, I would go playmaking depth. You're seeing it right now in full force. Without LaMelo Ball, the Hornets have a really big problem with getting other players involved. It's a lot of one-on-one with Terry Rozier creating for himself, with Kelly Oubre creating for himself. And there are a lot of fans who are critiquing Terry Rozier and Kelly Oubre for doing that, for dribbling the air out of the ball and for trying to create for themselves. But look around at this roster, especially when they're playing with the bench. These guys can't shoot. So, I mean, passing to them, I don't know if that's really an advisable thing. Uh, so, you know, they've got a problem, though, with playmaking depth because Terry Rozier and Kelly Oubre cannot find these guys like Mark Williams in great spots. Uh, so they've got to find some other players that can help them do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I have no problems with either of those. I, I do have an overwhelming mm-hmm. number one. And, and look, I'll be happy with the physicality. I'll be happy with the defense. But I, I have just me. been so attracted to the idea of putting LaMelo Ball alongside playmaking. I, I just value passing. I value ball handling so much. And I think putting that person alongside LaMelo would make this offense that much better. And then you have scoring outside of that. And, and I think you're right. The depth really isn't there for Charlotte. But also it's not even it, – it's, it's top-heavy in the sense that you have one player that can do it in LaMelo – And then you have over 30-year-old making $30 million a year, Gordon Hayward, that can do some of that. And then Terry in a pinch, but that's what you have. Like, you wouldn't even call it a strength or top-heavy. I mean, I I would love to have feel for the game, right? Like, I want guys that go out there and just understand where to be, and we're commending their smarts as soon as they step onto the basketball court. And it doesn't mean that they help right away. It doesn't mean that they don't have any room to develop or that I want a high floor with low ceiling. I want someone that, well, the feel for the game isn't really a question. So just mm-hmm. if you want two examples, really at the top of the dome, because remember, I'm still taking my dipping my toe in the water. That's about it. But just two guys that come to mind for me, a Keontae George out of Baylor. I think he's uh, got a good feel for the game, and he brings that physicality defensively, even if he's smaller. And a Jairus Walker is somewhat enticing on the surface level evaluation Beefy that boy. I have from yeah, well, and and yeah, he's awesome, and so he can even pass uh, quite a bit. Yep. So I, even if he's not handling the basketball a lot, I know he used to do that. Again, surface level stuff. So just even if that's not true for them as we go on, right? Even if I find other prospects I love, considering we're doing this on March seventh. Those are some guys that are, if you wanted some examples, those would be guys that I give you. But yeah, playmaking, feel for the game, creating for others. That's what I want above all else. And then we can dig into some of the ancillary traits that I want as well. Well, I think I would add two other things to the list. And and I think these are things that they need to be exploring with all. They have four picks in this draft, by the way. They've got two first rounders. Uh, they're, they're obviously they have uh, the one that right now, if if the ping pong balls were neutral, would sit at the four spot. They've got one coming from Denver that was part of that uh, Jalen Duran trade last year. That one looks to slot around 28, 29, like right at the bottom of the first round. Then they've got two second rounders. They've got their own second rounder, which would be around 34. And then they've got uh, Utah's second rounder, which would be a little deeper into the second round. So I, I think these are things that they can explore in, in all of these picks, not just that uh, first first rounder. So here are a couple other things. I think you, you mentioned that they need to pair more playmaking alongside LaMelo Ball. I would say, I don't know if this is necessarily a counter, but I would say they need to pair tough defense next to LaMelo Ball. I want to see them get more tough defenders like Dennis Smith Jr., guys that 
care about the defensive end of the floor, whether they have the physical tools or not, because I think you can gain some of those physical tools other than height, uh, but you can add strength if you need that. But they've got to get people who just mentally want to play defense uh, and, and, and hopefully at the guard position that you could pair next to LaMelo Ball. And the final thing, Walker, is a primary score. I mean, that's what this team desperately well, needs, a guy that loves to score, can fill it up, can get tough buckets, because eventually you've got to have somebody to take over for Gordon Hayward, who I don't think is part of the long-term future of this program. You've got to find somebody that can come in and hit tough buckets in the fourth quarter that's not named LaMelo Ball or Terry Rozier. Well, and and so, I mean, I guess that's the number one for everybody. Find the guy with the highest potential superstar uh, ability, right? Like <laughs> Easy that's, enough. That, there we go. And we'll move on <laughs> to the second segment. But that's, right, like, yes, being able to fill it up and be – you know, an effective overall player. Yeah. So if, if Brandon Miller is that, and he is the available piece and we can talk about mm-hmm. the off the court stuff as well, but if mm. Brandon Miller is the one <laughs> that has the highest ability to do that, then Brandon Miller might be that guy, you know, Wimby scoot. I don't know how much time we'll spend talking about them today as we're just talking about traits and uh, yeah. Oh, give me the generational prospect or the other guy that would go number one in most drafts. I'll, I'll take those guys. Right. But, but if you want the person that can score, that does have the ability to play, make a little bit for others. Yeah, Brandon Miller, the Thompson Twins, too. If you feel like they have that number one player type mentality, then yeah, I mean, those are also going to be some guys that you'll have a shot at. You're, you're a bad team in the NBA. You're going to have a shot at all of these players. Yep. <laughs> and that, that's the thing. It's, it's the only congratulations that is real. It, it is, hey, you suck, but congratulations, you're going to have a shot at one of these top picks. I'm excited. I'm not dipping. Oh, no, there's no there's ready. no toe dipping for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I am I'm off the high diving board, going straight in like one of these Olympic folks that are doing like splits and somersaults and flipping head over toe and then splat. But then you hit the water and there's just mm-hmm. a little teeny splash. But I'm all the way down at the bottom of the pool, baby. All right, I wanted to go to the next segment, but I have another point. I guess my my last point on this first segment is... Um, You're like me. We flip roles today. You are I ready know, to keep extending. Well, well, the last the last thing is, this is your shot to go for the star, right? So when you're talking about tough defense next to LaMelo, hell yeah, I want that. That'd be great. It's an easy fit. LaMelo is not the most physical defensively. He has the length, but we all know he would benefit with another tough defender in the backcourt with him. But... If you are going to be picking four and up, this is where you take your shot at, oh, okay, this guy could just be absolutely nuclear. This this is someone that could just destroy the league. He has that potential. If you have that, if you have that pick, top four, I mean, hell, even top six. My my point is you're going to have that pick. And so if you if you feel like this is the guy that has the highest star potential, even if you love someone else's defense, you got to shoot for the star here if you're going to have a top six pick. And so we'll see how the Hornets are able to operate after the lottery is done. All right, coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. We'll get to some of the players with the most to gain at the end of the season because it's kind of a weird time. You're not playing for postseason positioning, but you are playing for possible higher contracts. So we'll discuss that. And then maybe we'll talk a little bit more about the players to watch and 
if the Hornets can get a star at one in particular position outside of the backcourt. We'll talk about that in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. I'm really geeked about this new partner, the sponsor of today's episode, the mobile game Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. If you've ever dreamed of becoming an NBA GM, and managing your basketball franchise, I this have. is the thing for you. Your dream can come true, and this game is definitely for you. You can manage every strategic aspect of your team, play through the season, lead your team to glory. You're responsible for everything from hiring the right coaches and assistants, trading and training players, making draft picks, navigating your franchise through free agency and the draft, and all of the ups and downs that come with it. All of it is challenging and realistic. Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is completely free and playable offline. So play on the go as you want to and when you want to. Lockdown Hornets listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using promo code Locked On in the game store. So make sure to check that out. To download the game, just visit probasketballgm.com. Scan the code or look it up on the app stores. That's probasketballgm.com. Ultimate Basketball GM, start your dynasty today. A couple more segments to go. Lockdown Hornets. Is locked on Hornets. Walker, sometimes you don't have to have the best package. Okay. Sometimes you just have to have the only package. If you wait, or this is uh, if my dating life uh, taught me anything, sometimes you just have to wait around long enough until you're the only thing remaining. And then suddenly you look pretty great in comparison. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Literally before we came back three seconds ago, Doug told me that he had a dream that he and Mitch Kupchak Freaky Friday. That is a thing he told me. I am five seconds removed from that comment from Doug Branson. I want to know what happened in this dream where you had a Freaky Friday situation where you were Mitch Kupchak. And, and, and this question, too, was Mitch Kupchak hosting the Lockdown Hornets pod with me? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's exactly what happened. So wow. yeah, we free, yeah in the dream we freaky Friday'd and, and and we're saying this by the way because in case you uh, and I hope you didn't skip the ad, but if you did, you naughty person, you uh, there was an ad where uh, the ad copy was you know if you've ever dreamed about being a GM and I have I dreamed that Mitch Kupchak and I freaky Friday'd. And so I was the general manager of the Charlotte Hornets. I'm wheeling and dealing. I'm Joe Dumars. I got like three phones attached to my head. I'm making things happen because that's what I wanted to see all this time. It was a dream come true for me. And then all of a sudden I stopped and I got scared because I'm like, wait a minute. If I'm Mitch Kupchak, that means Mitch Kupchak is me. He's taken over my family. He's he's taken over the show. I mean, what what is he changing? What is he doing? How is How is my life going to be affected once we freaky Friday back, once we unfreak? But no worries. At the end of the dream, it was all a good dream because I unfreaked and I realized that Mitch Kupchak did nothing to my family, to this show. He just literally did nothing um, and everything was okay. Which is like normal. He did nothing. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's that's the whole thing. Yeah, I was worried. But then thankfully, the stability that Mitch Kupchak provided worked out in this dream scenario for my family. Our podcast, I'm sure it thrived in this scenario with Mitch Kupchak speaking at one mile per hour. Um, All right, let's go to some of the players you might consider here in the top four, Doug. And so I know we mentioned a couple of my examples. Is there anybody else that I didn't mention? Or, you know, is there somebody that might be not talked about as much when discussing the top four or five picks or so. 
Well, yeah, so let's paint the picture of what the Hornets are most like. Because a lot of things are going to change, okay? So we have to be flexible. We have to understand that the things that we say now are not only going to change dramatically because we've got a whole, you know, March Madness tournament to play, okay? But then also there's going to be a lot of smoke and mirrors, a lot of people dancing. We don't even know where people are going to pick at this point. You know, we're not going to know that until May 13th when they drop the ping pong balls and then we're really going to dive in. But things are going to change. But I think we do have somewhat of a picture of what we're dealing with. Okay, Victor Wibanyama, consensus number one. I don't think there's any doubt about that unless something dramatic happens and he slips on a banana peel in France or something and and breaks his leg. Okay, so that's probably not going to happen. He's going to be number one. Two is probably going to be Scoot Henderson. I only say probably because you're starting to hear little whispers that maybe, you know, one of the Thompson twins or Brandon Miller or, you know, any of these guys that are playing in in the tournament, you know, could could jump up dramatically. I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's like 90% going to be Scoot Henderson. So then you get into that 3-4 slot where the Hornets could reasonably pick 3-4. And then you're talking about Brandon Miller. You are talking about the Thompson twins. But here's the thing with the Thompson Twins. They play in something called Overtime Elite, which is this weird sort of in-between high school and college and kind of G League. There's a lot of social aspects to it. There are a lot of people that think, oh, this Overtime Elite thing is actually a neat thing. If you're not interested in going to college or, or, or doing the G League grind, you can still sort of get yourself ready. And then other people are like, this is a joke and this isn't real competition. There's no, there is a, there's a championship, there's an MVP, but there's no, it's not like college. It's not even really like G League. And so they're done. And so then you've got guys like Nick Smith Jr., Cam Whitmore, Grady Dick, all with opportunities to play in the tournament and play well and, and raise their draft stock. So if you're sitting there at three and four and you're the Hornets, you're going to have a lot more options to find that star player that you were talking about than than you would in normal drafts. Uh, do you care about position of star player whatsoever? And I guess the question, I guess the answer is no. But if you could choose that star to go at a certain position, what position would you choose? Would it be wing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. I think they they have their star point guard, obviously. Um, so yeah, but I think there are a lot more. There's a lot more potential. At the wing position, I would say, um, and even I mean Brandon Miller, I think kind of scouts out to be like a big wing. I mean, I think he plays. Oh yeah, well. no, he does. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think Brandon Miller obviously has some of that. The Thompson twins, both of them have shooting struggles, and that's going to be a real question, I think, at that three and four spot. Is do you take someone like Brandon who you know can shoot, has some issues scoring inside? Uh, has some a little bit of like Kenny bulk up, um, or do you take Thompson Twins? You go, man, these guys talk about playmaking skills. Both of these guys have immense playmaking skills. Do you believe in overtime elite? Do you believe in their their defensive their willingness to play defense? Uh, and if all of those things are true, great. But do but if you can't shoot, do you really have the potential to be a star in this league? That's going to be a big question mark. Well, yeah, and and I want to go back to um, the mock drafts that you had. You had four. You had a nice little craft beer four pack for us in the last episode. You were yeah. coming out blazing. You told us you were going to dive on in, and certainly you did. You were skinny dipping in the mock drafts yesterday, mm-hmm. and in a couple of those mock drafts, because as you mentioned, we have four picks overall. We have two here in Charlotte in the first round, and you mentioned a Jet Howard appearance in one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned a Kyle Filipowski appearance as the second pick 
would come, right? Which is interesting. I I would expect both of those guys to go a little bit higher than where the Charlotte Hornets are selecting. They have enough to move up. We'll see what happens. But just with those players, Jed Howard, he's interesting to me because I wonder if they view backcourt help as valuable as I do, if Mitch Kupchak does, or if the Hornets do. So if you got a Jet Howard, who is, I guess, kind of a wing guy, I know he's 6'8", but he's he's out there on the perimeter. And then even a Bryce Sensabaugh out of Ohio State, who is a fantastic shooter. Could you recreate John Wall, Bradley Beal in the heyday of Washington, right? Could you have your tall point guard in mm-hmm. LaMelo Ball and then your, and your shooter alongside him, who can also just be an offensive threat and I wonder if, if if those are some people that could last enough for you to either trade up or maybe you just select outright. Again, a couple months out, we're just throwing some things out there and seeing if it'll stick to the wall. Um, and I haven't even paid attention to their defense, but just the offensive threat too. With that second first round pick, I wonder if that's something you would focus on after you take care, eat your meat and potatoes and your vegetables and take care of your dinner and go ahead and shoot for the star at the beginning. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, I would rather do that at the forward. I'd rather do that at the wing position later on in the draft because then you you can confidently know. I don't know how confidently you you can't possibly have this much injury, uh, you, you know, stories and injury history two seasons in a row. So then you re- you do have if you get all of these guys back, you've got Cody Mar. I mean, you've got you've got serious wing depth for next season. Okay, it's really guard depth that you would have to plug someone in pretty immediately. So I would rather, you know, they find someone at the top of the draft that's going to be like somebody that they could slot in at, at two guard or behind LaMelo Ball or beside LaMelo Ball. And that that would be a more like immediate pressing thing. And if you were going to let someone cook for a little while, you'd want to do it at the wing position. I mean, also still, I don't Nick Richards has to me not answered the question of who should the backup center be next season. I don't think he has like for me confidently cemented his spot at backup center. So I, you know, I'm still diving in to figure out there other than women Yama, there aren't really like any major center prospects that are right. uh, that that are in contention for like a top five pick. You're really looking at sort of later in the draft. You've got. Derek Lively, Kalel Ware from Oregon, uh, Derek Lively's from Duke. Uh, and so, you know, you'd have to look a little bit later in the draft if you were trying to fill that out. Well, and, I mean, look, Mitch Kupchak has talked about it. I Especially now, if, if you thought that you were getting out of that neighborhood last year, you're still in the neighborhood of taking as much talent on as possible. Like, I, mm-hmm. I don't care where you get it. You know, at the top of the draft, if, you know, time to cook, throw them in right now. I know that the Hornets view this next season as a chance to win. I get it because you might be bringing back miles bridges. And we know Mitch Kupchak threw that question back to media saying, I'll let you figure out how much miles bridges absence affected our playing this year. Okay. Now mm-hmm. here we are. You're right. There are some wings, but Gordon, we know Gordon Hayward's situation. The dude's only on a one-year contract anyway, right? So, you know, I don't know how much you're going to have him towards the future. I would imagine this is the last season if he doesn't get traded. Kelly Oubre, he's a, he's a free agent. You just traded Jalen McDaniels. Bam, three wings, gone, right? Like, so bring me some wings, baby. I'm cool with that. Yo, give me the, all the wings, the chicken wings you got, the wings that they're offering in this draft. I'm ready for all of it. And then even in the backcourt, too, Scoot Henderson, you know how much I think about him. So this is still a territory where the Hornets cannot pick and choose what position they want. Bring bring all the talent aboard as much as possible. 
The tough thing is that it's easy to go in and say, especially with that number, you know, whatever pick it's going to be, four, three, two, one, five, six, you know, go and get the best player available. This draft is a unique in its depth. And I think the differences, you know, in the, the different kinds of guards that are going to be available, the different types of wings that are going to be available, some can shoot, some can't, some can play defense really well, some can't. There's going to be such a variety that I'm not sure. I'm not certain you can do BPA at four. I think you are going to have to make some decisions about what you want to prioritize in the future. And I think you just ultimately, think just because they're so close together is what you're saying. Like, yeah, because oh, okay, yeah, like uh, I'm in and Osar and Brandon and Nick Smith Jr. is a big question mark. I mean, when he's healthy, boy, I mean, he's scoring 25, 26. Uh, on a decent shooting, uh, you know, when, but then he's got some serious knee questions. So, you know, there, there are a lot of exciting prospects. We were talking about Cam Whitmore possibly being a third overall pick. He slipped back a little bit. Could he, you know, raise his draft stock a little bit? It's, it's going to be super interesting to pay attention to all these storylines as March Madness kicks off. Uh, I'm excited about it. And I think, you know, even if, look, I think look, if the Hornets slip down to five or six, it's going to be tough to acquire that, that star player. Um, right, one you know, more to, to be sure about it. Yeah, no, hopefully, yeah. Just you know, I'll take a star or whatever. Later, early, I'll take a star, no matter where you want to select him. All right, one more segment to go. Coming up next, Lockdown Hornets. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. Let's discuss the players that have the most to gain in what is the last almost 15 games of the regular season. We're about to end the regular year, but PJ Washington, Kelly Oubre, guys playing for bigger contracts. So we'll discuss some of their roles as the season goes on. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. It is post all-star break. Well, season, the end of the season, as I mentioned, it's almost here. And so now is the perfect time to download FanDuel before it ends. It's America's number one sports book because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe. It's secure. It's super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the nba one more segment to go locked on hornets is locked on hornets i'm glad we have youtube now for everybody to see just how bold you are can you give us a gun show flash real quick oh yeah Me and you man look, 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 look at that look at these, drape that's 100 percent grade a Look, here I am arms. doing it. I look at these noodle arms right here. Look, they just flow. Yeah, we got it. Listen, yeah. listen. Yep. Yeah. Just you want long, chicken wings? Skinny arms. If you're if you've been starving for some chicken wings, this is the show for you, folks. <laughs> YouTube.com yeah. I mean, forward slash chicken wings. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. We answered this question yesterday during the Hive Live, Doug, but someone asked about Kelly Oubre, the fact that, you know, he did go for 27 points, was the leading scorer in this game, and whether we would bring him back if we were Mitch Kupchak, if your Freaky Friday thing came true, would you keep Kelly Oubre a part of this team for maybe the near future, long term, whatever, just giving him another contract? And it got me thinking more so about, what players have the most to gain, right? Whether it's Kelly Oubre, who wants to be in Charlotte, but isn't a contract year. 
You couldn't trade him at the deadline because he was injured. We weren't too sure when he was going to come back, and eventually he would come back post-All-Star break and kind of picked up where he left off as far as his impact as a player. You know, when he's when he's hitting the shots, he's helping you out big time, and we know the way Kelly Oubre plays right now. P.J. Washington, another one, right, where he was injured. You had the big break. So we haven't been talking about P.J. nearly as much, but before he got hurt, he was on the incline on the roller coaster big time, right? He was shooting up. And even last night, you know, had a pretty good offensive game. And so if if you continue to finish the season strong for P.J., I wonder how much money that would bring to him. And here we are discussing a real opportunity for Dennis Smith Jr., you know, someone where – He was very good at the beginning of the season. Defensively, he's been awesome all year. I know you really questioned his offense just as far as, you know, what his role would be even next year because his offense was so poor. And then he started to play a little bit better, hit a couple more shots, and we know his role as a facilitator, even if he went one of six from the field last night. What player do you think has the most to gain when we're talking about contract players, guys that are looking for extensions? What name comes to mind for you? P.J. Washington. Absolutely. Kelly's going to, I think Kelly's going to be more about how much this team really wants to go after a playoff run next season, what the draft holds for them, because I think Kelly could be an important piece to a team that really legitimately thinks that it could make a run. Um, But how much money do you want to spend to make that happen when you've had no evidence prior that this team is ready to make any kind of run that they're not ready to go in and make some they've made their mistakes in the play-in but then you got to get to the playoffs and make your mistakes there and then prove that you can win a series you know so are they really ready to invest in pj in kelly in dsj and all of these little pieces plus a couple of first round picks i really doubt it (laughs) you know thinking back on the willingness for this team to spend or overspend or get anywhere close to the luxury tax curtain uh, they just haven't been able. They just haven't been willing to do that unless the team surprises them. And the team, the only thing that's been surprising about this team is how many injuries they've sustained. But I think PJ is the player that comes to mind because he reportedly was asking for more than the Hornets were willing to do on the early extension. And so this was a bit of a prove-it year for P.J. Washington. You've got this lingering situation with Miles Bridges hanging over the team as well. They've got to figure out what that number is. Uh, And so I I do think that P.J. uh, does have a little bit more time here to prove, and he's got the opportunity to prove, that he can be a go-to piece, especially scoring-wise, if this team needed it uh, due to injury. Yeah, I think PJ is the answer. And the reason I don't think Kelly is the answer is because Kelly, I just am so confident he's going to continue to give you the Kelly Oubre game night in and night out at the end of the season where I don't don't know how much money he's going to earn or lose, right? Like it's pretty much in cement to me. He's already made his point. And and, and honestly, to be fair to Kelly, it's been a good point. He's transformed his game. He's turned into a slasher. He, He has done everything. Look, guys talk a big game in at media day, you know, before the season starts about how much they want to do this and that. And, and then circumstances happen and they, they don't end up doing those things. But Kelly has really transformed his game in a way that I think it w- would be viewed kindly by Steve Clifford. I, I'm just not, but I'm, but he's made his point. You know, I don't think that there's anything else he could do at this point to show you, Oh, he deserves more money or less money or whatever. 
I think there's more money to be gained from PJ if he finishes and brings those stats up a little bit more, which I think is possible. And and it's not like they're too far off of his career, but it, it is a lower shooting percentage from three. It's at 35. You would expect it to be at 36. So I, I can expect him to bring that up possibly. Overall field goal, 44. The, the volume is just a lot. And I do think you've tried to see PJ on a in a different role try to really take that on because of all of the injuries and sometimes he could give it to you sometimes he couldn't and i think we just know what pj is you know how much i value him defensively yeah i, I think I, I think it is between him and dennis smith jr though right like what what do you think is more what do you think is a bigger growth is it pj where he can really show you in a contract year where he's going to get an extension how much much more money could he get but dennis smith jr a guy that I mean, barely made out any of the league. Yeah, right. So if you're talking about Dennis Smith Jr., who was barely holding on to a roster spot, now he has an opportunity where he is going to be a lead ball handler. He's your best player off of the bench right now, and he is facilitating. Can he hit a few more shots here and there or overall just continue to play really good defense? Can you go from, you know, uh, I forget what even the contract was, an un a non-guaranteed contract. Can you go from that to a one-year what? Eight million? What? What? Like how much? I don't know. Maybe that's too much, but I just have zero clue. That would be a pretty big damn growth. So I think it is PJ Washington and Dennis Smith Jr. that can really showcase and and grow their uh, amount of money to make on this next contract. Well, and you wonder with both Kelly and Dennis Smith Jr., can you get a little bit of an emotional discount for Kelly? He's already showed his hand. He wants to stay in Charlotte. He appreciates. He loves Steve Clifford. He appreciates that the Hornets took a chance on him and really and really gave him an opportunity to showcase his game. Both coaches, Borrego and Clifford, have given him that opportunity, and he's taken advantage of it. So there's an emotional element there. Could you get a little bit of a discount? For Dennis Smith Jr., it's, hey, thanks for saving my career, and also I, I'm close to home. I mean, you know, that that is an attraction. So, you know, could that – but P.J. has none of that. P.J. doesn't care. <laughs> P.J. wants his money, and that's fair. That's fine. Well, he's also um, in a different and, position, right? Like, this yeah. is – P.J. has – he's he's going to make more. Yeah, he's on, you know, the, on a longer he's term. He's on the come right. Yeah. So and, – and by the way, you mentioned how Kelly likes Steve. Yeah, I, I agree. Dennis Smith Jr. flat out told you he loves Steve. You know, he, he credited Steve Clifford for giving him a chance and how they both think alike. That was – that was at the uh, Cornucopia event that we did at WFNZ at Spectrum Center. We had a chance to talk with him, and he's like, me and Steve Clifford, man, we just think about basketball the same. We have the same goals. We have the same, like, defensive identity is how I'm going to make it in this league. And, boy, he's really bought in, man. He, he's and, been a joy. Yeah, and look, I, to me, if you get Wimby, if you strike gold, and maybe even Scoot, but really Wimby, if you get Wimby, I think you bring everybody back and you try to make a stab at this thing and you say, all right, Dennis Smith, get on board. Kelly, get on board. We're gonna go, we're gonna go into this next season with a ton of depth and and a, and now a ton of talent and let's see what we can do. I I would be super stoked for that. Yeah, a, a few players there. Is there anybody else that we're leaving out, by the way? I know not necessarily Bryce as far already as... got his contract. Mm -hmm. I, mean, the, I guess up. the only other ones would be a a Gordon or a Terry for trade value, I guess. Like, could you resurrect some trade value for the Hornets next season? Because they're locked in contractually. So yeah. here's it, what I like. I'll back to PJ though for for a quick second. Here's what I'd love to see, because I think you're seeing PJ Washington knock down a bunch of threes early in the game, and then the offense sometimes it hangs around and sometimes it doesn't. I'd love to see more consistency there. 
I love for in a few of these games, if they're in contention for a few of these games, to run a little bit more of the offense through PJ. We're seeing it run through. Uh, we're seeing it run through Terry. We're seeing it run through Kelly and Gordon. I'd love to give PJ a couple more opportunities late in games to see what he can do with the basketball in his hands and and see if he can make something happen similar to what he was doing when Gordon was out, when Lamella was out early in the season. It really was kind of all up to to Terry and PJ. I'd love to see that because it's not like he's not making an impact late in games. You saw it against New York, yeah. that big win, 16-point comeback. Everybody's going to be talking about Gordon and Kelly, and Terry hit some big shots too. But how about PJ's defense on uh, on Julius Randle, who's one of the hottest players in the league right now, PJ was a big part of why that guy got shut down against the Hornets. So it's not like he's not making an impact, but I want to see him make a little bit more of an impact on the offensive end of the floor, not just hitting the threes to open up the game. I want to see him hit some threes to close the game. Well, and I think that has to come on val- on volume. I almost said volume. I don't want you to... <laughs> <laughs> that would I don't be think it, I don't think a volume. Well, I don't know. You know, volume. Uh, you know, could make you relax a little bit. Can make you think a little, a little less bit. about your shot. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, it could. It could help you shoot. Honestly, I take it back. I actually do want to see him act like he has value in a system when it comes. He kind of does, quarter. though, like no, and, totally not, right. and not you're in totally a negative right. way, yeah. but like, yeah. talk, I mean, if there's a guy that I would say is like the coolest cucumber in the bunch, yeah, that's P- PJ. PJ has like one. He he's very much sort of the. Uh, one fa- kind of like Cody Zeller was. I think there was like a meme joke back in the day of like Cody Zeller's looks and all of his like team pictures were just the same. You know, that's kind of PJ's a little bit like that. He's just a, a cool customer. Well, I'll tell you this though. It, so it would have to come on the volume for PJ if you're talking about just clutch stats because he's the best three point shooter on this Hornets team in clutch time, just when you're looking at traditional stats. And he's taken the yeah. most, except for. Terry Rozier, who's two of 12, by the way, from three point range during clutch time this season. But even PJ better at the rim for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And PJ shooting 46 percent, but on 24 attempts from the field. And so you're hoping to see that. I want to see more. Yeah. 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 The volume will be interesting if you want to see more of that. But I the, the clutch time. Yeah, kind of showing you that he can be that. So maybe feed him more and see what can happen in the last 15 minutes or 15 games, I should say, of the season. All right, that'll do it for Locked On. Thanks for joining us on Locked On Hornets, making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your pods. And that includes YouTube, by the way. Also, make your second listen. Game to game NBA, every single game across the league. We have the analysis for you, and you can find that on Odyssey, YouTube, again, wherever you get your podcast. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow. More. 